Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the COVID What Comes Next podcast with Dr. Ashish Jha, Dean of the Brown University School of Public Health and a globally respected pandemic scientist and physician. Every week here, Dr. Jha will analyze events of the previous several days and offer his assessment and guidance for what lies ahead. I'm your host, G. Wayne Miller of the Providence Journal and the USA Today Network. Good morning, Ashish. How are you on this Tuesday? Good morning, Wayne. I'm well. How are you? Hanging in there, doing okay. Thank you. A lot to talk about today. We've got some audience questions to get to as well. But let's start with news uh, just breaking really this week that a variation or variations of the coronavirus have been detected in Britain and elsewhere. Uh, and people seem to be alarmed and I wonder if you can break that down for us, what, what it is, what it means, and, and will the vaccines protect us? Yep. No, it's a, it's a great question. So let's dive right into it. First and foremost, um, there are lots and lots and lots of variations of, of any virus and MR and actually RNA based viruses are particularly uh, prone to mutations in ways that lead to variations. Most variations, almost all of them, have no functional significance. So all throughout the pandemic, we've been seeing, oh, new strain, new strain. And most virologists basically say, nah, nothing to see here, move along. Uh, because what you actually care about is, is it more contagious? Is it more deadly? Is it going to evade uh, the vaccines? And if not, then it doesn't matter. Well, it turns out that this is one strain that actually looks like it has some functional uh, differences and, and probably the one of the few that we've seen so far uh, where the evidence is mounting. Now, we're not 100 percent sure, but the evidence does seem to suggest that this one is a bit more contagious. How much more contagious? We don't know. You heard Prime Minister Johnson say up to 70 percent. I've heard other people say 30 percent. The point is, it's more contagious. And just for people to understand what that means, it means if you are exposed to the virus, you are more likely to get infected with this one than you were with the other strain. Okay, so that's important. Then the second question is, is it more deadly? If I get infected with this, am I more likely to get sick or die? And the short answer is not that we know of. Like, we haven't seen that yet. And then you're big question is, should we be worried that our vaccines will not work against this? And the short answer is probably not. We're not 100% sure. We're still learning. But I think it's exceedingly unlikely that the vaccine will not work against this strain. Uh, so I remain pretty confident the vaccine's going to work. I remain reasonably confident it's not more deadly. But the evidence does seem to say it's more contagious. And, and uh, you, you're saying that it seems as if the vaccines will provide protection. 
that is that is what we should expect. Uh, we don't see enough on this strain to make us think it's going to evade that protection. Uh, it doesn't mean that there will never be an evolution of the virus, especially once you get broad immunization, there's going to be evolutionary pressures on the virus to mutate in a way that um, makes it evade the vaccine. But I am not worried about that right now. So I, I think, yeah, I think my assumption is the vaccines will continue to be effective against this virus. Which is a very good segue to uh, the next question, um, which is how do the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines work exactly and how how was it that they could be created in really record time i, yeah. I know a lot of people including myself do not understand sort of the fine details of of how this thing works and how it was developed yeah so the first thing for people to understand is that this is a technology that people have been working on for many 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 years um and so it's not like someone just came up with this idea for the first time in january or february of this year um, and we had been starting to do some studies of uh, mRNA vaccines. But here's the basic notion. mRNA is, a, is just a little bit of a message, a little signal uh, to your cells to make, make proteins. Uh, your body makes mRNA all the time. What the scientists did was took mRNA of one of the, the genetic pieces of the virus uh, that makes the spike protein. The spike protein is what this virus uses to get inside your cells. And they wrapped it in a little bit of a kind of a little fatty protein layer. And then you, they inject it into your body. And what happens is your body sees it, 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 it absorbs it, it goes into uh, dendritic cells and other white cells, basically these kind of immune cells. And the immune cells see the mRNA and start making the protein, make, start making the spike protein. And your other immune cells show up and say, wait a second, this is a foreign protein. We don't know this protein. This is not part of us. And they build antibodies to that protein. And they uh, destroy those cells that, are, that have that protein. And what that does is essentially tricks the body into thinking, hey, I have now seen this virus before. So when the actual virus shows up, let's say you're out and about and you get exposed, the body says, oh, this is an old foe. I've got an entire immune system built up against this foe and now can respond in a way that protects you. I mean, that's basically uh, why people who get infected are much less likely to get reinfected because you've got that immunity. So two or three key points here. The mRNA vaccine cannot give you COVID because it's literally one gene of the, of the virus. Uh, there's no way for your body to like create a whole new virus. You cannot get COVID from this. Second, the mRNA does not get incorporated into your DNA. So there's all this kind of misinformation out there about does it change the DNA structure of my body? No, it can't. mRNA is the way to think about it, I think I might have used this analogy before, is mRNA is like post-it notes. Your DNA is the, is the textbook, and mRNA is like a post-it note that your body creates copying something from the textbook. The post-it note does not get incorporated into the textbook. In the same way, this gene, this gene that you're getting injected with will not get incorporated into your cells. It's temporary, and, but it does generate the kind of immune response. And last point on this, Wayne, is people really have been working on this technology for many, many years, and we've just never really had the opportunity to test it out. And I have to say, none of us knew if it would work as well as it has, but it's working really well. So I guess to that, we say thank goodness for, for the, years goodness. Of, <laughs> the years of science and the, the thousands and probably more hours of 
research that went into this. So, yeah, and it's a, it's a reminder, just one quick point, sorry. It's a reminder yeah. that NIH and the funding that we give, the, the funding that Europeans do for theirs, increasingly funding other countries are doing, a lot of times we don't know what the payoffs are going to be. And people often are like, well, how's it going to improve human health in the short run? And sometimes we don't know the answer. But you do these things because then when the opportunity arrives, uh, you can use that platform. And this is the reason we should be uh, funding basic science research, uh, because the payoffs are hard to always guess. But when they happen, they can they can be big. And just think about it. There are dozens of vaccines that people are trying. The only two that have made it through with incredible efficacy and safety are the mRNA-based vaccines. Thank God we invested in that platform. Yeah, no kidding. So I want to get to reader or, or audience questions. We've had a lot of them, unfortunately, as you know, we can't get to all of them, but we've selected uh, four that I think are a representative and important questions. So let's start with the first one. Somebody wrote, if someone has had COVID-19 and recovered, should they get the vaccine? It's a great question. Right now, the CDC is recommending that, yeah, people should get vaccinated, even if they have uh, been infected and recovered. I, I guess I would make two caveats on this. Um, first of all, there is plenty of reasons to believe that it's totally safe to get vaccinated if you've been previously infected. So there's no safety concern. Um, the, the second question that people ask me is that, isn't it inefficient? Like we have so few vaccines, shouldn't we avoid giving it to people who've been previously infected because they're probably immune? And my take on that is especially if you've been infected in the last 90 days and have recovered, you probably have really good immunity, at least for 90 days. And it would be reasonable to hold off on getting vaccinated uh, for a little while. But I would not trust long-term immunity from the infection. I have every reason to believe that the vaccines will generate better long-term immunity than natural infection. So what I say to folks is if you think you got, let's say you got infected back in March or April, I would definitely get the vaccine now. If you got you know, if you got infected recently and have recovered and you want to wait a couple of months, that's fine. That's reasonable. So I just want to raise a caveat here. A number of the questions we have received have been regarding personal health situations. And what I've been advising people in my journalism is to to contact your health care provider. Would yep. you agree that's the best advice for your individual situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I get asked, as you might imagine, both on social media and elsewhere, <laughs> lots of people ask me, I have this immune condition. Can I take it? And the short answer is, I don't know enough about you, and I'm not going to try to get into diagnosis and therapy via social media. So if, you, if you're not sure, always the right answer is talk to your healthcare provider about your specific situation. Um, what I try to do is give more general advice that I would give to policy people or to the broader audience about how I think about a problem. But yeah, no one should ever take anything I say as medical advice, my goodness, because uh, that's not what you want. That's not what I intend. Yeah, no, it's not my business either. So another question, can the people who receive the vaccine still be carriers of the virus? Ah, uh, this is the, I don't know if it's a billion or a trillion dollar question. It's a really <laughs> good question. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I would have said, I have no idea. Um, and right now I would say I have pretty good evidence uh, that uh, that the vaccine substantially reduces your likelihood. You know, I don't think it'll drive it to zero, uh, meaning if the question is, can people who've been vaccinated still be carriers? The answer is probably yes. But 
the evidence that's emerging suggests probably a lot less likely to then people who have not been vaccinated. So the vaccine probably does prevent spread as well, uh, but we don't know how much and we're still sorting that out and i think we'll actually know more in the next uh, few weeks wayne as more data comes out on this okay so this is probably a good point to remind folks to continue social distancing small crowds your own household and obviously masks yeah. i think that i think that goes without saying so um another question how long is the va vaccination good for once you get it does each manufacturer have a different length and you've sort of hit on this but maybe you can give a little more detail yeah um so the short answer is we don't know right because we don't know three-year five-year durability of any of these vaccines these are are all relatively new um not relatively new, they're all really new. Uh, what I would say is uh, once you get to that sort of, because each of these vaccines is two doses, um, you should have reasonably durable product protection. So what does that mean? Well, let's talk about what I don't think it is. I don't think this is lifetime, meaning I'd be very surprised if you have lifetime protection. It's possible, um, but that means most people will need to get a booster at some point. Then it begins to say, well, how long would it last? I would be very surprised if it doesn't last at least a year. And my guess is it'll be longer than that. But internally, I've been thinking, if we can get a year of protection from these vaccines, that's fabulous because you know, we do annual flu shots. If you have to get an annual COVID shot on top of that, it doesn't seem to me like a huge lift. Um, but I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if it's longer than a year, but we just don't know right now. So let's say somewhere, probably a year longer, but probably not lifetime. Okay, thanks. And the final question, and I'm going to read it verbatim. The vaccines are 95% effective, which means statistically that for one of every 20 persons who gets the vaccine, the vaccine will not work. How do you or that person know that the vaccine will not protect him or her? It's a, it's a great question. So the, right now, the answer is we don't. Um, but I'm not saying we never will. What we're, so what you're really asking about is this idea of correlates of immunity. Let me explain that in, in normal English. Um, when you give 100 people the vaccine, uh, not everybody mounts an equally effective immune response. And we should be able to figure out whose immune system, uh, response was inadequate and therefore they are still susceptible. Who's in that 5%? Do, can we do that right now? We can't really, but those studies are being done right now. So with Moderna and Pfizer, you had people who on vaccines still got infected. And what, what people are doing right now, the scientists are looking at their immune response, uh, drawing blood, trying to understand why did the vaccine not work for them? And asking questions like, is it something about them? Was it something about the virus? Was it something about the exposure? A lot to sort out here. Uh, again, uh, I suspect we'll have more answers in the upcoming weeks and certainly months. But as of today, I can't predict which of the 100 people, which five out of 100 uh, will not um, be as protected. But I suspect in a few months we will be able to be better at that. And that answer, again, uh, reminds us of the, the fundamental importance of, of the science and the ongoing science. So thanks, Ashish. Uh, I will say to our audience, if you have questions for Dr. Jha, you want to send them to G.W. Miller at ProvidenceJournal.com. And please, in the subject field, write question for Dr. Jha. 
Ashish, thank you again. We'll we'll see you uh, in a week. Happy holidays. Stay safe, as we always say. And thanks again. Wayne, thank you again for having me on. And uh, it's been a pleasure. I know we have one more episode of the year, but uh, it really has been a pleasure. And again, have a good holiday. 